Please open up your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 14. Starting at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. One of my big joys as a youth pastor has been to witness teens come before you and give their testimonies and be baptized. I love hearing them share, tell their testimonies about how God has worked in their lives and saved them through Jesus. It's always fun to see them in the front ante room really nervous, but also really excited about what's about to happen. And it can be a scary thing for teens to do, and scary for adults as well, but it's always so encouraging to hear how God has moved in their hearts and their lives and brought them to where they are today in Christ. They testify. They give an accurate representation of what has been done for them, what has happened in their lives. And when you hear someone give a testimony, it's not often a shock to hear it. I mean, sometimes there's shocking things that you hear in a testimony. I remember as a teen being at a conference and hearing the testimony of a former biker gang member and hearing some of the things that he did before, his, before Christ and thinking like, wow. But when you hear someone give their testimony, it's not often a shock to hear it because um, you have already seen them live differently. You've already seen them talk differently. Um, You've already seen how Christ has transformed their hearts and their lives. So they have testified with their new life, of their new life, with evidence of their new belief in Christ, evidence of their new behaviors, with their words, with their testimony. And when we hear a testimony of a believer in Jesus Christ, there is always a theme. They have come to the point where they have recognized God's amazing love in sending his son to die for us. And that love has transformed them. That amazing love, the amazing love that God displayed has changed us. And we are witnesses of that love. So in our passage from 1 John that we just read there, we see a call for believers in Jesus to testify through our lives and our words of the love of God. Of God. And this call to testify the love of God is a foundational aspect of, of our walk with Christ. And it's so important considering our day and age. 
We live in a time where the hot-button issues of the day seem to bring more and more disunity and, and even hate. In the world, we see things like COVID, like LGBTQ, like Black Lives Matter, online censorship, and more bringing massive disunity and, and sometimes even hate towards people who disagree with you. We fight for our causes and we want to expose and even degrade on social media anyone who we believe is not on the right trajectory. We want to be known more for our causes than for our love for one another. But this isn't just a challenge considering the world that we live in, but a challenge considering that we as believers in Jesus can struggle with this as well. We can lose sight of how we are called to love one another. And instead, we want to put our needs, our our causes on the forefront. We are called to look different. We are to look different from the world in how we love and how we know what love is and where love comes from. So we'll see first off from our passage that we are called to testify of God's love by believing that love comes from God. Look at our passage again, verses 7 to 10. I'm going to read those again. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So there we see in our passage right away that as believers in Jesus, we are to love one another. But before we focus on how we are to love one another, we see in a big way why we are to love one another. And that is because love comes from God. For us here today to hear that statement, to hear that statement that love comes from God, we don't bat an eye, right? We, we know that. We've heard that many times. But that is a really big statement and a really big thing to believe. Because that is saying that love isn't just a feeling that we get, right? Love doesn't come from within. The biggest source of love doesn't come from just accepting or celebrating whatever choices people make and advocating for those choices, but rather love comes from God. Right? We see that in, in our passage in verse 8. Because God is love. God is the source. Cassandra and I and the boys vacationed in Thunder Bay this past summer. And my sister and her husband took us to Kakabeka Falls, which is the second biggest waterfall in Ontario. And it's termed the Niagara Falls of the North. It was beautiful. It was powerful. There was a lot of history to it. It was just some rugged natural beauty all around it. But like every waterfall, the flowing, falling water needs to come from somewhere. It doesn't have a stationary pool of water that, um, where after the water falls, there's a tunnel system to kind of send it back up and then it keeps flowing. No, it needs to have a source. When it comes to love, we don't have our own storage of love that comes from within that we can access in order to try and love someone and that can kind of regenerates every time we 
like someone's picture on social media or say hi to someone as we walk down the street. No, love comes from God. God is love. God is the source of love. It's not a whimsical, abstract concept, but something that has a source. But if love comes from God and has God as its source, does that mean that no one can love if they haven't been saved by Jesus? What about my neighbor that seems to really love his kids? Or my coworker who's really nice? Well, we believe that because God created us in his image, because of God's common grace that he gives to all mankind, that we have the capacity to display love. We can love our kids, our wives, our husbands, our coworkers. But apart from Christ, it is incomplete. It's only because of God's grace that we even have the, the smallest capacity to love, and it still comes from him. But when John here is calling believers to love, it's rooted in the source of where love com- comes from, which is from God. And it was most powerfully and evidently displayed by a concrete act. That love comes from God, it isn't just this abstract concept that we can try and philosophize about, but a concrete, visible act that has shaped all of history. Look again at verses 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In the biggest, clearest way, we have seen God as love. Some of you may know that Pastor Kevin enjoys smoking meat. Um, He has a a smoker that uses wood pellets to slowly cook meat with a delicious smoky flavor. For several years in the office, I heard Pastor Kevin talk about how he loves to smoke meat. He even showed me pictures of the finished product. He talked about the process and, and how it works. Talked about how good the meat tastes after it's been uh, perfectly, deliciously smoked. I would suddenly get very hungry every time we talk about it. So I knew what he was capable of. I knew how the process worked. I had heard about the incredible taste, but only from afar. And then he had me over, and I got to experience it for myself. I got to watch him smoke the meat. I got to experience the delicious taste. And it became so much more evident, so much more real, so much more wonderful. We understand this, the same kind of thing when it comes to, to friends that we love. Right? You, can talk about, you can talk with a friend about how much you love one another. You can joke about it. You can write about it. But if it hasn't been experienced or, or displayed or seen, it can be hard to believe that it's true. But God's love was made manifest among us. It was made evident. In the biggest and clearest way, we see God as love and how he sent his one, his one and only son into the world so that we might live. God looked at us and so loved us that he sent his one and only son to be made flesh, to be made manifest among us in a personal way, 
He sent his one son who humbled himself and took the form of a servant. Even as we're, we're focusing on how God is love, on the love of God, that doesn't mean that he's not also a just God. And because of his justice, because of his wrath, a price needed to be paid for our sin. Our sin that we were born into, that we commit daily. And there needed to be a price paid for that. But even as there needed to be a price paid to satisfy God's wrath because of the because of the evil of sin in man's hearts, God also so loved that he sent a way to satisfy his wrath. And we see that in verse 10, not that we have loved God, but God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins to satisfy his wrath. Because of our separation from God due to our sins, we can't first love God. We can't earn our way to him, come to him on our own, But in this biggest act of love, God sent his son Jesus to make a way to pay the price that we deserved. We're doing a a series in in Quest in our junior high ministry where we're walking through the Bible and seeing how all the Bible points to God's salvation plan throughout history. We started by looking at creation, then we followed it the next week by looking at the fall, how Adam and Eve sinned and how sin entered into the world. But every time I I read through the story of of the fall, I'm also just always amazed. Because even from the start of mankind, even after sin entered into the world, God already told us what he was going to do. He tells us in Genesis 3.15 that the offspring of of the woman talking about his son would conquer sin and Satan. That he would crush his head. So already from the beginning of time, God is telling us that he so loved us that he was going to make a way. He was going to send his son Jesus so that we can live. And through this ultimate act, we can personally know that God is love. If we have humbled ourselves and acknowledged our sins before God and trust in Jesus for salvation, we can experience this incredible love of God in the most real way. And it's a personal thing, right? I am a sinner, and in his great love, God sent his son to die so that I can live. So let us not get caught up in seeing love only as a good deed to someone or not a a concept floating above our heads, but as a concrete action of sacrifice rooted in God's love for us by sending Jesus. Turn to this Jesus, trust in him. And we can be witnesses, we can testify of his love by believing that God is the source, that love comes from him and that he ultimately displayed his love by sending Jesus. But the text makes it clear that we can't just say we believe that love comes from God and then yet not love one another. And that makes sense, right? It flows, If you have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, you have God as your heavenly father. You have a relationship with the source of love. And that love should flow powerfully out of you. John makes it clear. He says it in the beginning of verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. And then again in verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
It's very clear. That's what we are commanded to do. In fact, if we don't love others with a love that comes from God, rooted in the ultimate sacrifice of Christ, then John tells us that we actually don't know God. And that's a, that's a very blunt statement. That can sound harsh. But again, it makes sense. If we are not loving others, it means you're not connected to the source. If there's no water falling down Kakabeka Falls, there's, it means there's no source of water available. But if you love others with a love that comes from God, that means you have been born of God. That means you've been born again through faith in Jesus Christ and trusted in him. In his commentary on the book of 1 John, Aiken says this, Once one begins to understand the incredible price paid for sin and the magnitude of personal sin, he will understand the love of God and demonstrate it himself. When we've been saved by Jesus, we have witnessed personally this greatest act of love. We recognize how awful our sins are before God, how much we have been saved from, how great the price paid by Jesus was, how loving it was for God to send his son. And that leads us to want to demonstrate that same love to others. So we're challenged by our passage this morning to think about if we are loving others right now. We can think about how we are loving the church, loving the bride of Christ. When John is writing these words, when he says we ought to love one another, he's talking to believers in Jesus, telling them to love other believers in Jesus. So we have a a big responsibility to love the church, to love our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are in a time where we might need to work extra hard at loving one another. I've talked to several uh, pastors in recent months, and this has been a really hard time for churches. It's been a time where unity has been tested, love for the body has been tested. We can think very differently from each other about COVID, about measures taken by government, about vaccines. We can think very differently about other things, other big things going on in the world. We live in a time where to disagree with someone is often equated with hating them. It can get messy, it can get heated. But during this season of life, think about how we can be loving one another, loving the church. To love others in a way that is rooted in the sacrificial love of God and his son Jesus. How we can be taking the time to listen well to others, even people that we disagree with. It's our faith in Jesus that unites us, that makes us the body of Christ, not our views about current events. So how can we be loving others with understanding, with patience? What are ways that we can lay down what we want in order to benefit others? When circumstances are difficult, really hard in our lives, when it's the hardest to want to be able to love others, We can shed a light on the fact that love does not come from inside of us, but from God. And that can have a big impact on the world. Be challenged to pray for one another, even to call out sin in others according to God's word. But just as the love of God was manifest among us by sending his son Jesus, 
We can manifest his love by loving one another and laying down ourselves. Ephesians 5, 2 illustrates this in a similar way. Paul says this, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Walking in love is not a a passive thing. Cassandra and I love going on walks with our boys, and it is not a passive activity. It's very active. The boys want to be in the stroller, and then they want to be out of the stroller, so we lift them out, and then they want to be back in, so we lift them in and then back out. Walking in love as Christ loved us means actively living out love for others like Christ did. Tony Morita, in his commentary on Ephesians, says this, Love is not just sentimentalism. It is not merely feeling sorry for someone. It involves sacrifice and action. Love is not just a feeling. It's not having fuzzy thoughts about someone. But it involves sacrifice and action rooted in the sacrifice of Christ. John is clear that if you have been born of God and so loved by God, you ought to be loving one another. Think about how you can testify to the fact that you have been saved by the amazing love of God by how you love one another. But not only are we to believe that love comes from God and trust in his son, not only are we to love one another, but John gives us another major way. John tells us that if the love of God has changed you, not only does it affect what you believe or how you act, but it means you want to testify with your words of the great love of God. Look at verse 14 in our first John passage. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. When John says we here in this verse, he's talking about his and and the other apostles' testimony. So he's saying he literally witnessed Jesus walk on earth and he witnessed him rise from the dead. They had physically seen what Jesus had accomplished and it had changed them so much that they testified about it. They told the world about it. They wrote it down, wrote about it. For you and me, we are not apostles. We can't say that we saw Jesus in person 2,000 years ago after he rose from the dead. But if we are in Christ today, we heard about God's amazing love through the testimony of scripture and through faithful followers of Jesus. And because we heard that testimony from God's word and responded to Jesus in faith, we have come to believe in Jesus Christ. And we can now testify about that. We can proclaim of God's great love to those around us. The day I proposed to Cassandra was a really big day. Um, It's actually our sixth year anniversary today. So very thankful for Cassandra and for our boys and for the Lord um, blessing our, our, our lives and our marriage and so thankful in him bringing Cassandra to me. But the day I proposed to Cassandra was a big day. I had planned out the spot to take her. Um, 
I got my sister to hide in the bushes in order to take pictures of the proposal. I picked up Cassandra early from work. And I got down on one knee and she said yes, which was very exciting. (laughs) But what I didn't anticipate as much was the joy that would come in the hours afterwards. The rest of the day was spent telling our families about what had happened. We got to tell Cassandra's family in person, and we got to tell my family in person. Then we went to grandparents' homes, and we called aunts and uncles, and called siblings that weren't in town. Our family needed to hear. So when we have come to such a realization of our deep need for a Savior, and to experience Jesus, who manifested God's amazing love, our family needs to know. We can testify about what Jesus has done in our hearts and testify to what Jesus has done to save the world. And that's why hearing the testimonies of our fellow believers is so encouraging. But some things are too big to only tell your family. After Cassandra and I told our families that we were engaged, we told our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, social media, because that's what you do nowadays. Cassandra would be at work, and every single customer that would come into the store, she would tell them, I'm engaged. So the world needed to know. If you testify to a saving knowledge of Christ as Savior, if you testify that God's so loved that he sent his son so that you might live, that means you were once lost. You were once in darkness. You know what it's like to need a Savior. And we have the privilege and the responsibility to not only love our our brothers and sisters in Christ and to tell them what God has done in you, but also to tell the world, to tell all people, to tell them about God's amazing love. And it's not an easy thing to do. Loving others with sacrifice and action also means proclaiming the good news of Jesus with our words. And while we believe that the most loving thing to do is to testify with our words about, and our lives about God's amazing love, but that message is often offensive. To say that there's only one way, and that means not being who we want to be, but instead who God wants us to be, that can be seen as hate. To say that truth doesn't come from within, from inside of us, but from God, that can be seen as old-fashioned and just not understanding We see this in many areas today, and especially when it comes to the changing landscape of sexuality, and teens are on the front lines of this and face this in a major way. And it can be hard, and it can be lonely. But as believers in Jesus who have been transformed by God's love, we might need to work extra hard at finding ways to love others. To get creative, to give up our time, to be bold but gracious might need to work extra hard at finding ways to love people from the LGBTQ community. Might need to work extra hard at finding ways to share the good news of, of people with our words. And that might be people who have had bad experiences with, with church or people who are just so different from you. Or your neighbor who you've known for a while but, and you're just worried that they might think differently of you if you try and tell them about Christ. But you can testify by telling the world of the greatest act of love. You might not feel like you are in a position right now to be able to love others, whether it's 
fear of circumstances or frustration at current events or busyness. Maybe there's people at work or people in the church that are just very hard to love. Maybe there's messy situations, difficulty with relationships. But thanks be to God, our ability to love and testify of God's love to others does not come from inside of us. It doesn't come from a self-generated pool of love created by the good things that we do. But we can love others because God is love. Because he showed us in the biggest way what love looks like. And that was by sending his son Jesus to die so that we can live through him. Through faith in Jesus, we can love with a love that comes from God. Not going around thinking that love is this abstract concept, but concrete, visible, one rooted in the love of Christ, in the sacrifice of Christ. And because of that display of love, that amazing display of love displayed for us, we want to love one another and testify about what God has done. That in this way, love was manifested among us, that God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might have life through faith in him. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you are a loving God, that love comes from you, that you are the source. And Lord, thank you that through your incredible act, your incredible loving act of sending your son Jesus, that we can see your love, that we can know your love is real, and that through faith in your son Jesus Christ, we can come to you, we can have a relationship with you, and you are our father. And Lord, because of that, because the faith in your son Jesus, because you are our heavenly father, help us to be able to love others, to have your love flowing from us, even though it can be hard. Help us to look for ways and to be intentional in, in wanting to love one another, even when it's difficult, even with people that we might really disagree with or people that are hard to love. Help us to find ways to be able to share, to use our words to testify about what you have done from your word, but also what you've done in our lives, and to testify that to the world. Thank you for this Thanksgiving Sunday, and um, that we can be so thankful that you are good, that for all of history, you knew that you were going to make a way because of your incredible love for us so that we can live. We just pray that you will bless the rest of our service and pray these things in your name. Amen.